Well, hello and welcome to Monday's Experts. And it is an opportunity for us, as always on a Monday, to find out a little bit about the story behind a name. And as you knew, last week we were in Wagga Wagga ahead of their country championships qualifier and wanted to catch up with a, a family name that's been around the Riverina for a very, very long time. And they've been great supporters of Sky Sports Radio. I speak of the Lamont family. They are the owners of Karingal Stud, and their stud manager is one of the sons of the Lamont family, Gus Lamont. Gus, welcome to Monday's Experts. How are you, mate? Well, thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. No dramas at all. Uh, today's an opportunity for us to not only talk about the stud, but talk about your story uh, and the Lamont story. Let's start with the Lamont story. 1910, was it, that the family came to town? Yeah, that's right. 1910, uh, my great-grandfather, John and Christina, his wife moved up from the Mallee and set up at Karingal. Built the homestead and uh, uh, stables there, which was for workhorses back in the day, and, and uh, the wool shed and workshop. But then... Um, uh, yeah, about four years later, he um, had a tragic accident where he was riding along on his horse with his little son on his pony, and his horse has fallen down a rabbit hole, broken its leg, he's come off and broken his neck. And so the, um, the boy had to go back to the homestead and tell mum that dad won't, won't move, and he'd um, unfortunately died. So Christina had to get them through through the war and the depression and everything like that, and um, yeah, did a... Did a marvellous job, really, <laughs> raising a, a young family in very tough, trying times. The actual stud itself, so horse breeding didn't start on the property until, what, mid, mid-1950s? Mid-1950s, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so my grandfather was always uh, a colony. He was obviously passionate about it. In the 50s, uh, he bought three broodmares in 1953 and then bought a stallion in 1956. And so that's really where it started, and we've been standing stallions ever since. And was that just for his own personal hobby? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah he you know, loved to party and loved to get out to the races, and, and that would have been the major entertainment back yeah. in the day. Like, every farm had a horse in the back paddock sort of thing, and, yep. and you'd head out to the picnics or wherever, get it trained up by your local trainers and do a bit of work at home even. There was a bit of a track at home and, you know, and then head it in and get to the races. Fantastic. And at what point, I mean, and we'll get to uh, your journey, um, but at what point did the stud sort of become more than just a, a family hobby and, and a family opportunity to, to race horses locally, etc.? Well, my father probably, when he came back from uh, school, he went um, down to Geelong College and then um, came back and did work uh, around the farm, but then uh, travelled overseas and worked in Ireland with Coolmore and uh, Trelawney in New Zealand and came back to the farm and really set it up. It was very much a, a farm with, you know, cropping sheep, which we still have, um, you know, 3,500 ewes and, and plenty of cropping and things still going on. And that allows us to, um, you know, get all the paddocks in good order and things like that. And my brother, Richie, spends a lot of time in that. But it was probably that time where Stuart sort of started bringing in things to set it up as a business and adjustment was really key. So, um, you know, getting bums on seats, so to speak, on the farm, getting clients, rearing horses, you know, subdividing these big 
couple hundred acre paddocks and bringing the mobs, the sizes down to sort of 50 to 100 acre sort of paddocks, uh, making things a bit more manageable. He loves building things out of steel, you know, yards and things all over the place, and that's what he does for fun when he goes on holidays is draw it in the sand. His new, uh, what's the new project in the off season, you know? Yeah. So um, he's he's always been very passionate, and that's that is his hobby, is um, you know, setting up the farm and and doing that. So. It's probably since then, though, since I got home in the early, well, we'll start in the early 2000s, there was a few sort of things that really, when I became more serious about it, that we sort of doubled in numbers, I would say, and we're now up to sort of 350 horses on the farm, and Oh, yeah. And um, yeah, it's a it's a good a good business to be involved in. Let's talk about you. So you you grow up on the farm. You grow up here in the Riverina. You then go and do your education as a youngster. Where'd you go to school? Yeah, so initially locally, and then um, finished off down at um, Scotch College in Melbourne for yep. the last four years down there, uh, which was a fantastic opportunity to go down there and see see a city. Yep. It was really what my parents were keen on. Because you hadn't really been... I mean, you would have done a bit of travel here and there, but you wouldn't have been permanently in a... No. Had, metropolitan sort no, of... No, exactly. No. Had, How'd had, you go? Hadn't seen the big world. Uh, yeah, it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a nice spot. That, um, Scotch has got huge grounds and, you know, big yeah. ovals and things, so it wasn't too far a um, stretch from being out in the country. And what about sport? Um, as any uh, good... Country bloke, no doubt you loved your your footy. Were you a league union? Which way did you go? Yeah, well, obviously bucked the trend a bit down in Victoria, but I was a union man and, um, yeah, loved playing down there. Uh, You know, went on some fantastic trips. And that's the sort of opportunities that you're afforded, I guess, Mm. being able to get to a boarding school. Um, You know, went over and played in Japan and played in Tassie for Victoria and, you know, went on a lot of rugby trips and things and, you know, won the premiership and things with the boys down there. And it was a very special sort of group to be involved in, yeah. and, and um, we had some fantastic times. Down Gee, there. for the boy who grew up and hadn't seen the city, <laughs> to then say he goes and goes over to Japan. <laughs> yeah, that was an eye opener. <laughs> and, and obviously then to to be over in Europe. So you've did you feel like you were growing? You had to grow up pretty quick, getting away from home. I know you were still in that sort of uh, school environment, and you had a network around you, but it's not like you you had you know, mum and dad in the next room or you were going home to home after school. I mean, you, you, have, yeah. to, you have to grow up, don't you? You do have to grow up pretty quickly. But I, as you say, there was a fair network around me. I had a few other blokes actually from Wagga that I knew that yeah. were in the same year as me as well and they had, you know, older brothers and things. So there was a few people you could sort of rely on and then there was, um, you know, other people that my parents had known from down that way that, would take you in and take all Look the... Off, make sure, know, bring, check in. <laughs> go for monthly or dinner every term at, um, you know, with John and Susie Anderson down there, John for the Herald Sun um, fame. But, um, yeah, there's been some great people that you meet and stay in touch with. How were you at school? Were you a good, you a good academic or were you a better at sitting up the back having a laugh? <laughs> like, uh, what does the report card say? Uh, look, I I probably spent a bit much time um, 
dealing with my rugby and yep. uh, chasing <laughs> women. I would say more <laughs> At than... At least you're honest. That's what I love about Monday's more experts. More than my academics, I would say. I did get a bit of a kick up the arse at the end of year 11 when they said, oh, you're only going to get, get this score the way you're going. And so I had to pull my finger out a little bit, okay. but still, it wasn't. Uh, I wasn't getting into medical school. I'll tell you that so much. So you, you're enjoying the city then, by the sounds. <laughs> oh yeah, it's good fun. Fantastic. <laughs> um, okay, so you finish school. Your scores have improved. Um, what happens then? Are you coming back straight away? Are you taking the gap year? What What, what did you decide to do after school? Yeah, well, I, I was pretty keen to get out of the city. Um, I had a lot of mates at boarding schools and things in Sydney and you know, obviously Melbourne and things as well. And a lot of us were a bit the same boat. We didn't want to go straight to uni and wanted a bit of a gap year, so I ended up going and working in the Northern Territory on a station up there with AACO. Uh, I went up there with about oh, six or seven other boys from various places around New South Wales and big road trip up there and worked up there for the year. And It was a great experience, really, like big open... It was a, considered a smaller place, but it was still over a million acres, and, and um, I had a lot of horses up there that, you know, I had to learn to shoe and do all sorts of things, break in horses and things like that. So that's so. one thing. So even though growing up on the stud, you were around horses, so you obviously had basic yeah. um, understanding of, of how to handle a horse, the the learning of, of, an, of other crafts, of what you just said about, you know, farrowing, breaking, yeah. etc., that was learnt in the Northern Territory. Yes, a lot of that was started. Like I had a pony at home and and (laughs) my grandfather died when I was four and I've still got vivid memories of marking out stables with him before that. So uh, the old old, um, poo cart thing had a little thing for my pitchfork at age two or three to sit in the side of it to go and help pick up shit from an early age. So So you were working. Yeah, I I knew. (laughs) I did know my way around that, but... um, yeah, it was probably you, you learn a lot of horsemanship on on some pretty wild horses, really. Yeah. Um, you know these things that wouldn't be touched; they'd get run in twice a year or something. For, wow. And then you pick out the next lot that looked fittest and ready to go. And and, and for our listeners that aren't, um, you know, across it. So so what what exactly are you doing in the northern in northern territory? So these horses are are there used what? to muster cattle. Okay, so yeah. yeah, on a on a beef place up there. Uh, breeding place was the one I was on, so yep. dealing with Santa Gertrudis cattle, uh, they had, they end up having Charolais bulls over them um, for a, uh, for the cross, but um, there was also Santa bulls and things, and a few wild Brahmin from next door and whatever else, but um, wow. yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting time. That's, that's a fascinating uh, turn of events, you go from... A very prestigious school <laughs> yeah. environment to a million acres in the Northern Territory. Uh, and I presume you're not staying in the Hilton Hotel. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, you're right about that. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and, and that's one thing. And obviously you've got a, a network of, of mates who are maybe in similar situations where they are at prestigious, you know, places, etc. Um, and you wanted to get back to basics. I quite I admire that. Was it, was it just... Well, was it because you felt that you were so far removed from where you'd come from, where you'd been? I'm, I'm trying to work out what makes you go, yeah, no, no, bugger this. Because most people, if they want to take a gap here, you'd be, and you said about before how you were 
you know, your eyes were all over the place. Down, you most people, oh, we'll go to go to Europe. I'll do the skiing twelve months in yep. Europe. I'll do this, but you've picked the cattle property in the Northern Territory, and that's that's hard. That's not easy to do. Yeah, uh, was it a challenge or? It is a challenge, I guess. But you know, when you're growing up in the country, like, yeah, okay. There's not many more things than young single blokes need at the end of the day is a cold beer and a meal. Like, you've got to cook up there. It's pretty easy to go to work and yeah. ride a horse and do, you know, carry on a bit. And it's good fun. There's, Getting there's back to basics. Days. Exactly. How, yeah. how long were you there? Was it 12 months? Yeah, well, tw- about 12 months. The wet season, obviously, comes up there. So you, I had to get flown in because the place was flooded and then, you know, doing a lot of fencing and stuff initially because all the fences are washed out. But... Um, yeah, it, it's long days and hard work, but it's, it's the same as what you do at home, yeah. what we do at home, you know, long days, hard work, and, you know, it's what you live for. Uh, after that 12 months, uh, you come back to Karingal, so you come back to the stud? Yeah, well, the wet season hit again, and I came home. I wasn't um, going to stick around up there when it's just wet, and um, not not a lot you can do. So I came home for a while, and... Um, yeah, mucked around at home. We were a bit short-staffed, so I ended up um, dragging one of my best mates along to come and work with me on the farm, and we ended up staying there for the year and just carrying on a bit around town and, you know, getting on the punt and doing, you know, doing what young folks just yeah. fresh out of school do. Uh Working and, yeah, it was it was good fun, good times. Uh, so you're doing that for a period, and then there was a... Was there a tap on the shoulder saying, right, okay... You, what what's doing, Gus? Are we? Are you going to go back to school? Are you going to go and do that uni degree or, yeah. or what are you talking about? Because um, if you wanted to stay here at the the property, you're going to need to do ABC. Was that a conversation the old man had? Yeah, it was. It was, and and um, I'm very glad we did have that conversation because you know I, I certainly wanted to go and learn as much as I could. Uh, so I went and did a horse business management course down at Marcus Oldham, and you know you work work hard there, learn a lot, meet a lot of contacts and it was a great great experience down there. So um yeah, I went went and studied uh because I thought, well, I've got to bring bring something back to the business. Mm. Uh whether that be business knowledge and things Did you like feel that. pressure that when I say pressure, I mean that this is the family business. You can see your old man and and what his father and father, you know, you'd seen all that effort put in, so you thought, right, well I'm going to have a crack here and, and do this for for the family name. Is that? Uh, no, I wasn't pressured into it. It's um, no, but know, in, internally, did you feel like you just said you know you you wanted to make a good fist of it? You wanted to yeah to have a crack. Was that an internal thought that you had? You know, all, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this to the best of my ability. Oh well, that's yeah. yeah. I think everyone probably thinks I should do things to the best of their ability, um, and that's what I wanted to try and do. You know, um, I. No, I'm certainly no expert. I'm not sure why you got me on the show, but um, you know, like it's you're still learning the whole time, and if you're not, like it's um, yeah, then you're not having a crack. Like, um, so yeah, I, I wanted to go and study and learn a bit more because there's so much more you can pick up yeah. from other places and other things, and you know, I just wanted that opportunity to go and see what it was all about. 
So you are doing the, the course. And by the way, we're chatting with uh, Gus Lamont, who is uh, the stud manager. I can call you the stud manager there at Keringle Stud. And the Lamont family, a very famous name in the Riverina. And it's, uh, you're on Monday's excerpts on Sky Sports Radio. You're, that particular course, though, and the way that it was set up, you got to experience a lot of the world. And, and you learn a lot of craft around Europe and New Zealand, didn't you? Yeah, I did. So it's a fantastic course. It, it's full on. You you know, your contact hours with lecturers are probably 30-plus hours a week. So, And then you've got a lot of things to do after that. And that's why that course appealed to me, because I wanted to get in there and get it done, you know, rather than going to some of these other courses that you sit around uni for four years to get the same amount out of a two-year course or whatever. Um, so I was, yeah, lucky enough to get in there. As, as you mentioned, I was able to do, I spent five weeks in New Zealand, uh, went and worked at Waikato Stud over there. Uh, we went through all the Hunter, through Adelaide, um, Melbourne obviously, uh, being close down there, they're down at Geelong. Um, a lot of stables around the place. Uh, but also there's equestrian things, you know, there's, it's an equestrian course as well and mm. you've still got to be tested on your breaking in skills and your uh, riding ability and like, um, you get tested on a lot of different things so that they get students that are coming out that are, have a fair idea of what they're doing. Um, so, yeah, I was able to do that. And then from there, uh, I won a couple of awards and, and they asked me to go over to um, England and set up a scholarship over there for one of their graduates. Uh, so basically they pay for your flights and you get a job set up, at which at the time was at Lamwade Stud, um, with Miss Kirsten Rousing, and um, yeah, we, I went and did that for them because they knew that I had a bit more experience uh, than some of the other students as far as working on studs and things are concerned, and they knew that um, I wouldn't mind where I lived or what I did. I didn't have any, you know, any dependents or anything yeah. like that, so it was a very easy choice for me to go and do something like that. How old were you when you did that? Uh, 20, 20 or 21? 21. 21, yeah. Okay, so, mate, there's a lot of things happening here for a young bloke like you. We talk about that growing up quickly, so, and you're getting all these different experiences. The the absorption rate, so what did you absorb from the UK? You mentioned Waikato, um, one of, you know, the best in Australasia. What did you pick up before you, you know, you know you're coming home? Oh, I picked up a lot, really. Like, there's some fantastic people you meet, and, and, um, as I touched on earlier, like we went and visited Peter Moody at the height of um, Typhoon Tracy back in the early 2000s, and I remember Pete sitting down with us for well over an hour, you know, just chatting away and and just answering any questions we had. And I was so blown away by how easy going he is, you know, he's got a smoke hanging out one end and just chatting away. And it was like talking to an old shearer back at the farm you know like it's just mm. very easy to talk to and um and i've had a good relationship over the years with him he wouldn't realize that i i was um <laughs> i was there at the time yeah, i imagine so, yeah. but but it really stuck with me just thinking how important it is for these young people that are you know coming to have a look at you and and, and at your place and things like that and and what they take away from it because i was blown away uh by his generosity and things and just giving us the time yep. you know not treating us like an inconvenience um and yeah and so much so that i've well he bought ancestry office a few years ago and i'm sending him a horse next week so um 
you know, he's, he's been great to deal with and he's a lovely fella. Um, then working in Waikato, like uh, the Chittix, like Mark Chittix is, was a great, great bloke and a really good guy to learn from. Uh, I was, you know, covering mares at midnight sort of thing with them and mm. doing foulings and flat out for that period and it was the peak of the season and, and it was just a really good experience. Um, it, and because it was relevant to what I wanted to do, really, um, I enjoy that sort of thing, you know, foaling down mares. And in that period I was there, they'd had five group one winners in that season. I was just like, this is just sensational. Like, I, <laughs> how the hell can I do that? Yeah. You know, um, then going to England, very different again. Um, you know, everything's housed in boxes and things like that. Smaller properties with about four times as many staff and, you know, doing the gardens and doing this and doing that and yeah, so it's, wandering it's, around doing whatever. Is it more about the show? It's more about the... Well, it's the... just... There's a there's a lot more to do, I guess. You, yeah. Well, polishing brass and things like that, yeah. I guess, a bit. But, um, yeah, it, it it's a lot more intensive comparative to, with, with numbers and things like that. Mm. And, and some of their... Um, you know, it was where thoroughbred breeding was born and things like that, but they seem like they're still a bit stuck back there, really. Um, you know, some of their vet stuff and things like that was just nowhere near uh, the standard of it that it is in Australia, in my opinion. Mm. Um, in saying that, some of the bloodlines were extraordinary. We sold the highest price yearling filly in the world um, for, oh, was it close to 4 million Australian, 2.8 million euro or something like that. Wow. So, um, yeah, so that that was exciting. Um, the horses were in Ireland doing yearling prep over there, and and, and you're uh, seeing bits of the world as well. Yeah, travelling. Yeah, and, you know, getting involved where I could. With um, Gus, okay, so you're doing a lot of the travel. You're doing the course. When do you come back to the start? Uh, so I came back. Yeah, after you know tripping around the world and. After I'd finished working in England, it was pretty full on, so I, I needed a bit of a break. I went over and spent three months in America just skiing and going to Vegas and doing yeah. things young blokes do and went through Europe and Italy and wherever and France and Deauville sales and travelled around. And and, and was there ever at a point where the you know the, the folks are going, righto, <laughs> Pull your <head> show's, <laughs> over. show's <laughs> over, get back to Wagga? Well... Not really. I mean, yeah, they they wouldn't begrudge me too much. I think they would have enjoyed to be doing it themselves. You know, <laughs> like you may as well while you're over there. You're young. It's my money. I can do what I want with it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Like you know, I was a young bloke that had worked hard all year, and it was just a time to where you go. Time to have a break. So, so when when that break finished, wait, was yep. that when you came straight back to Wagga? Yeah, I ended up coming back to Wagga then, um, and yeah, I. Initially, I was sort of like, oh, well, I might head back to America and work at Kentucky or something like that, or might work at a few other studs in Scone or something like that. But I just started working back at home and was really enjoying it. And the challenges that, um, you know, running a family business uh, brings, and but also the reward yeah. uh, of that, you know. We, I have a fantastic relationship with my brother and my father, and um, it's always great to be able to have a couple of other people you can rely on and, um, mm. you know, have good conversations with about whether it be anything, you know, like, all right, this horse is 
like this, what do we all think? You know, it's it's a good sounding board, and that comes with trading horses or whatever, right? What what are we thinking? What's the value on this thing? Or what are we doing here? Like, why are we choosing this particular stallion? Why do we go? Why do why don't we go down this line? Um, you know, whatever. So, I mentioned this before. So, all of the uh, you know, you've absorbed a lot of. Uh, techniques. Um, all studs do different things. Yeah. Uh, you've, you know, you've been, you know, you're saying at Waikato what they do. Uh, when you came home and you sat down with the old man, brothers, etc., and you said, right, oh well, I've seen this happen and work. Why don't we do this? How was that received? Was that just, you know, yep, let's do it. You've done it, or was it? Oh, hang on, we don't really do that here. What's did, did change just happen straight away? Uh, look, well. Richie's a bit younger than me again, so he wasn't at home at this period, at this um, point in time. But my father was very welcoming to any new ideas, you know. That, and as was I when Richie came back, if he's seen something that he thinks works and thinks is amazing, why should we quash yeah. that, you know? It's, if we can discuss it and go, right, oh, well, what's the benefits? And, and surely there are some if they think they've seen it work. So, uh, no, you're always learning and... If you're stuck in your old ways, you're not going forward, are you? So, no, exactly. Um, you know, I, yeah, there, there was never any real backlash to a lot of decisions. Like, there might have been some discussion as to, right, oh, well, why do you think that might have worked or whatever? But, no, they've always been very open. Let's talk about the stud uh, because, you know, we hear a lot about, um, and our listeners would hear about, um, you know, Hunter Valley studs and, and it's kind of like maybe like, well, it's not like the wine game, but it's like, you know, you've got those concentrated areas of, you know, yeah. uh, big brands, so to speak. Um, you're not in that particular area. What's what's the difference between your stud and, and those that are in the Hunter Valley and, and elsewhere around the country? Yeah, look, we're not in the Hunter, but I think it's a real advantage to not be in the Hunter. I think the country down here is far better than... Um, up there, we're not uh, not stuck around coal mines. We're not um, not got the disease risk they've got up there. We have access to really good quality staff. Um, you know, there's a lot to like about down here. And when people come down and have a look at the farm, they're blown away by you know the size of the paddocks and how the horses look and their condition and things and how they're developing and whatnot. So it's, it's um, you know, yeah, we're not in the hunter, but gee, I'm. I'd much prefer it down here, yeah. to be fair. Like, and and do, you, do you feel as though... Um, do you feel as though you've forgotten sometimes? Oh, well, they carry on. Like It's just been a good marketing yeah. um, thing by the hunter, I reckon. Um, you look at the likes of your Twin Hills and your Bownesses and your uh, New Haven Parks and things like that and ourselves and whatnot. You, we certainly hold our own on winners and good horses, you know, in the city. Like, mm. it's... it's um, Amazing how many good horses come off these sort of farms. We we talk and um, we're chatting with uh, Gus Lamont from Karingle Stud you know, on Monday's Experts. And Gus, I wanted to ask you this question about uh, our industry. Um, I hear well, you know from a lot of old timers and even from conversations I had with you say with Granddad and whatnot about you know horses uh, that would start off at two and. They would, uh, you know, have these big campaigns and in three they'd have these big campaigns and then they'd continue on in life and they would still go on to be stallions and then they would breed champions in their own right. Do we cuddle our horses too much these days? I know they're worth a stack commercially yeah. um, and whether that's justifiable or not, you know, it's not my, I don't, I don't know enough about it, but do we cuddle them too much? Well, there's certainly... Um, reason to suggest that I think um, as I was saying earlier there's a 
was talking to my horse chiropractor yesterday that mentioned about this horse that had raced in the Wagga Town Plate and then backed up the next day in the yeah. Wagga Cup. And, and I was just saying, gee, we need, you know, need someone like Travis Adeline back to, to do something like that because <laughs> because it, it's a hard. It's a very much a horseman sort of way to do something like that. Like, it would be unheard of with the training methods and things these days a bit. Um Yes, I mean, I can see why they are looking after some horses because of their value and things like that, but we're trying to get tough, sound horses that race on. Like, why would you why would you want anything else but that? I mean, a lot of these horses are red, full of grain on a something the size of a tennis court. Like, it's just not right. It's not how they should be developing. Uh, they should be just developed naturally on pastures and things like that, and that's where we've got a lot of loosened clover down and a lot of uh, cereal haze and things like that, our grain requirements are next to nothing um, for any horses, let alone yearlings and things. So, uh, Yet they're still um, big, well-grown, well-muscled individuals, so it's um, it's an uh, interesting way of looking at it. But, yeah, I, I, I certainly think they are a bit modicoled, mm. I guess, and um, looked after. Because I'm trying to think of, of studs, horses in recent times that haven't been whisked away um you know, it, to, to 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 start to yep. you know uh, cover, and we are attracted to the speed and the golden slippers and all that, and yep. and whether that's been a, a marketing um, tool, um, I'm not sure. Uh, but I tell you what, uh, one, one horse always comes to my mind that that raced on Spirit of Boom. Yep. Um, and the Eureka guys. I mean, he was a horse that raced. What I think even until he was six. Yeah, yeah, maybe it could, be, it could be wrong. Yeah, it was, but, it was a long time. But and he was performing as a two-year-old, and he was performing in those. And, yep. and look at what he's thrown. He, Doing it on the st- at the yeah. start. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what uh, really took our interest in Prized Icon. Uh, you know, he was in a breeder's place against Capitalist, ran third, you know, was last on the turn, and he'd just come from the Easter sales, what, six months earlier or something like it's enormous what he achieved. He raced seven times at two, never out of a place. He, you know, in the Lonro, the Bowie, the Black Opal, things like that. He's won the Fern Hill and the Champagne. So he's won one of the four group ones as a two-year-old. Then he's gone and backed it up and won a derby. People criticise you for winning a derby, and you're like, well, mate, I'd love to win one, wouldn't you? Like, um, But he's more a miler, and he looks more like a sprinter, but then he's also... You know, gone on and run four other Group One placings, and just mm. raced on for a long at the best level. Like everyone that beat him in those Group Ones that he placed in were all multiple Group One winners. You know, like Haydock and Winks and uh, things like that. Like they were all very handy horses. As as was he a multiple Group One winner. But you know, a horse like that really appeals to me, and I I just can't see you know these horses that are ripping off the track at two and three and going, yeah, we won a two-year-old you know stakes race or whatever. But you're like, yeah, but what did what did you beat sort of thing like mm. they're not really racing them on and you're not getting to see them win a new market or an oakley plate or a manicato or a tj or something like that like it's just not you know if you're after a sprinter that like i'd like to see it done mm. at a bit a bit older as well um and as i alluded to before i think you know japan are doing exactly that or have been for a long time where you know you pretty much Unless you're good enough, forget it, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's in, it's interesting. But the stallion game, they can come from anywhere a bit, can't well, they? Well, they so. can. And then, yeah. I mean, you, on the flip side, you have a look at Vinny. 
Who yeah, exactly. Just out of, no, out of nothing, and, <laughs> yeah. and what's going there? I mean, yeah, it's exactly. just it's just extraordinary, um, and that's the, the luck of the game, I that's guess, it. as well. Hundred um, percent. You mentioned prize icons. So on your uh, roster at Keringle, I see uh, um, Brothers War, very very interesting horse. Yep. Tell me why you you went down the path of, of getting the Brothers War. Yeah, look, I, I um, had a guy approach me about the Brothers War. I was looking for a horse at the time. Everything in Australia was just getting ripped off the track by the time they'd been three, and I couldn't afford them. Basically, like when they're talking thirty million or something for <laughs> for it, or uh, yeah. or upwards of a million bucks for something that hasn't done much, uh, it becomes pretty expensive. And I thought, well, we've got to look a bit left of field here. I really like that Warfront line. He's from a huge family, um, you know, uh, Sadler's Wells. Stakes winning mayor of Shirley Heights, stakes winner. Like, it's just a um, back to Jibali sort of family. It's um, massive international bloodlines. And just when I watched the Brothers War race, his acceleration was just extraordinary. You watch one of his races in uh, France as a young horse, and he's just put five lengths on him in the blink of an eye. Wow. Same as what Ancestry does around the corner at Caulfield and things like that. They're just far better balanced than other horses, and they've hardly touched them, and they've mm. just gone, whoosh, see you later. Um, so, yeah, he's an, he's an exciting horse. He never got a lot of opportunity with mares. He's got a couple of handy ones in Hong Kong. Uh, he's got a couple that have been, you know, in the um, country championships around the place. Um, now the other weekend and here he's getting some that are getting up over a trip as well because he's actually from a staying family but was a sprinter himself yep warfront i just thought they'd be good on turf and we thought we'd try that and yeah that's away, where we're at. away went and so prize like one and the other one too you've got a sandbar yeah we've got sandbar and last kingdom but uh sandbar schnitzel horse uh he he uh stakes winner at two and three running a couple of good races around some really good horses so I was looking for a schnitzel horse, um, and he's a three-quarter brother to Farnan out of a stakes-winning street crime mare, Tallow. I just loved his bloodlines, loved him on type. Uh, I think a lot of these mares are getting bigger these days, and I just thought, you know, when I went to Arrowfield 2006, they wheeled schnitzel and not a single doubt out of the box. I dead set thought they were teaser pony size, like they were freaking tiny. Have a look at what they've done. Yeah. And, and a lot of those... Smaller, neat joint horses and things like that are actually getting you better sprinters. You, you know, you look at Magnus gets criticised because he gets small horses. Have a look at how good his horses are. Like, yeah. you know, there's that's sort of another thing. Like, they mature quicker. You get a return on your investment quicker. You see if they're any good quicker. They're often cleaner winded. They're mm. not neater joints. Uh, sounder horses. You look at the in the history of Star Kingdom, Northern Dancer, like. Um, things like that. They're tiny. Danzig, you know, flat to be 15 too, all of them. Mm. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, um, I've really sort of gone away from those, I guess, really big, impressive types of stallions and, and sort of leaning more towards that way because I think uh, as a whole the broodmare band's getting a bit bigger and more roomier and things like that and still getting you a good, good size horse no matter what sort of size stallion you go to. We're chatting with uh, Gus Lamont uh, from Coringle Stunt. Gus, your time here at the farm um, has obviously now turned into a family of your own, and uh, you've got three little ones. Yeah, three little ones. Yep. 
Yes, I've been. I met my wife uh, 2008. You got to get that right. They've had yep. all, everything in the yeah, yeah. At that Well, moment. it was you know a bit of a grey area there at the start. <laughs> 2008. She probably moved up 2009 to Wagga. She was in Melbourne. Yep. Uh, and yeah, we've been together ever since. Fantastic. I actually um, I had to mention earlier. I had a pretty nasty accident in 2011. I got my head kicked in by a horse and. Um, I, I uh, my face looked like a drop pie, I guess, for a while there, and um, so I thought, gee, I better stick with this one. So <laughs> I've got no idea. <laughs> and uh, what two two little girls? Two little, little girls, and yeah, fresh little boy Jack. Fantastic. Yeah. And the, I mean, obviously they're going to be around it all their lives. I don't yep. see, I don't see you getting into another career, mate. I'm not <laughs> um, nah. But I mean, the the uh, are you seeing their eyes sparkle just with uh, being around animals and horses? Yeah, absolutely. We're very lucky where we live. Like it's a beautiful property, and you know they're out in the country and they beautiful do all sorts of things out outside. Um, my middle, well, my second daughter Arabella, she's um, not at school yet, so she's always hanging to come with dad. You know, riding on the motorbike or doing, you know, wanting to jump up on the horse or do Fantastic. something so it's it's a great area i was fortunate enough to grow up there myself and uh, well we're in the neighboring property now but um yeah it's it's great that's sensational mate and uh the better half has a shop here in town with your mum yeah yeah they run a, a um sort of a homeware shop the speckled hen and um they so they go to and town and the boys yeah, they go to town <laughs> sort that out <laughs> Very good. Have you ever done a shift in at the Speckled Hen? <laughs> no. What if there was They're a drama? They're a bit short on this what weekend. What if there was a bit but... drama and they said, oh, can you just, you and Richie need to go in there and uh, do the shelves and stuff? I think Richie's been in there, but uh, You've no, stayed away. I think they know my... <laughs> People coming in, how much is this worth? How much is yeah. this worth, Gus? Yeah. Oh, mate. No, um, no hope. This is a wonderful uh, race club. Uh, before we wrap it up, I know that uh, your old man was the president here and he had a, a great vision for the club and now Jeff's obviously taking that on. Um, and you must see the way in which, you know, racing's going here in New South Wales, especially uh, with, you know, the prize money increases, the, the Bob's bonuses. All, I mean, everything that's happening here in New South Wales, yeah. um, it's a wonderful time to own a racehorse. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, really great time to own a racehorse. Racing in Australia is... By far the best in the world, isn't it? Racing New South Wales, they've just put up prize money again. I mean, it's gone up well, more than doubled in uh, since I've been back at the farm, and it's great to be able to, you know, it's it's quite achievable to, you know, get a horse to win a hundred thousand, you know, yeah. these days um, or more, like very easily. But um, yeah, Stuart was uh, my father was the chairman here for a long time, and my grandfather before that, Colin. So uh, I've been on the board here now. Uh, about seven years and Jeff's doing a great job and we've got a really good board here um, the club's run very well by Jason and, and the crew there Mark Hart does a fantastic job on the yeah. um, on the grounds and his team and uh, Cass with the events and things like that we've got great new caterers on and things like that so the club's in an awesome position uh, we're hoping to get a bit of funding to get some more stables up we've uh, got a shovel ready project of about 125 stables on course, which would really help because a lot of the um, stables have been snapped up around the place by um, development because Wagga is really thriving. It's a, it's a great, like regional towns in a, in a lot of areas in uh, New South Wales and Victoria and whatnot, um, 
that are a real buzz of young people coming back. It's yeah. a great area to live and, and a lot going on. So, Mate, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I reckon we could have spoken for <laughs> another couple of hours. Uh, fascinating no to hear about you know uh, those different bloodlines, the horses, what you're looking for. Um, you might as well give yourself a plug here because you people, if they've heard this and go, I'm going to see what this is all about. You can jump online. Are you having a, a sale, a digital sale? Yeah, that's right. We're having English. our digital sale again um, this year. So, yeah, through English Digital, uh, 18th till the 23rd of Feb. We've got the open day or on the 18th, which will be gone by the time this goes to air. But, um, yeah, we had the first one last year. It was a bit of a unknown as to what COVID was doing. I thought, well, let's try something different. Uh, so we put all our yearlings up online, all up unreserved, kept the cost down enormously they all found good homes the first one to uh, have a start there is um, Jamara he's won at Bendigo he ran second behind Jackano and third behind Lofty Strike who's since won the group three on the weekend and and both favorites for the Blue Diamond so he's got good form around him he's getting set for a group two and um, uh, the size and once he steps up over a trip it'll be even better so it's good to see these horses finding good homes getting there they're tough and sound and ready to go and fantastic and uh yeah we've got another 12 coming through and a lot of prized icons and things and um yeah we're thrilled with it so pleasure talking to you mate thanks, thanks for Steph. being a part of monday's experts and look forward to seeing you back here at the cup meeting Excellent. We, can rip, to in. It, we can rip in. We can rip in there. <laughs> Gus Lamont is our guest today on Monday's Experts. Uh, check out the podcast if you've just chimed in late to, to this particular chat. It was a wonderful chat. Uh, the Lamont main, very, very famous here in the Riverina. We're going to take a break. Back shortly.